Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, get ready to be energized and have some serious fun. This is the Energetic Education Podcast. Introducing your host, Dale Sidebottom. Welcome to episode number 17 of the Energetic Education Podcast. Today is a little bit different where um, we've got another interview, but unlike previous interviews where I've done with Jared Robertson and Nathan Horn, uh, today I'm doing it with a good friend named Ryan Waite. And instead of interviewing Ryan, we're just basically having a discussion about building resilience in teachers and students um, and also ways that parents and teachers can obviously do that with students. So um, a little bit of background about Ryan. Now, Ryan Waite, uh, he runs his own business uh, called Ryan Weight Performance, and he's got a fantastic podcast called The Mindset Project. Now, I will have links for these uh, in our show notes, so you can go on and basically have a look at those. But a little bit of a background about Ryan. I, I went to University of Ryan, so he's also a qualified teacher. Uh, he's also one of my best mates. So you'll probably see this interview is a little bit different as we're quite relaxed and yeah, I, I like it as it's just more of a general conversation, but you're going to take out some really important takeaways from this on basically ways to improve resilience, why it's important, um, some takeaways from Ryan that um, I actually learn a lot from just listening to him as he does a lot of work in, in this sort of area with uh, young, young adults, students, sports clubs, uh, as well as corporate people. So... Uh, I think you'll find it really interesting. I'm a big fan of Ryan's podcast and particularly a really good episode that I think everybody should listen to is episode number six where he interviewed Casey Todd about the importance of slowing down in life and um, and really making the most of everything you have. So that was one big uh, episode that I got a lot out of and I'm sure you will as well, but enough from me anyway. Um, this is a long episode today, it goes for about 40 minutes, uh, so put it on while you're listening in the car or anything like that and I'm sure you'll get some fantastic information. Cheers. All right, Ryan, uh, thanks for coming over to my house, mate. I suppose today's episode's a little bit different for us both as uh, we normally interview people and uh, today we're just going to have a bit of a general discussion. Yeah, exactly, uh, Dale, and uh, I was, we were just having a chat before we pressed play and we are working out, well, who, who actually talks first? Is it, <laughs> is, it, is it you or is it me? But no, nah, it's great to be along here, 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 Dale. Obviously, we've known each other for a long time, been great mates for a long time, which goes back to uni days. So yeah, if we can add some value to, to the listeners out there, it'd be well and truly worthwhile. Yeah, and I suppose uh, we're both coming from sort of similar, we've got similar backgrounds and qualities, but um, really big message that we want to get in today is basically building resilience for children. Um, and not only that, but as teachers, parents, people in the community, things that we can do, not only yourself, but um, obviously giving you skills and ideas that can really help you sort of model young sort of children and young adults today to help them with resilience because it is such a big issue that we're dealing with. Oh, it's it's huge. It's huge. And I think there's a, a perception out there, rightly or wrongly, that the um, the generation of now, the young people of today, aren't, a res, aren't as resilient as, as the previous generations before them. So, you know, if we can sort of tap in and into that and delve a bit deeper around why that is the case uh, and obviously put some strategies around it as well to help people would be, uh, be fantastic. So... Uh, obviously, obviously, know a lot about what you do, Dale, but uh, just to start, mate, what, what's your take on resilience and, and how do you define it and why do you think it's lacking in young people today? It's a good question, mate. I was actually going to throw that at you, but uh, <laughs> from, from what I've seen, um, 
I think it's got a lot to do with the modern era. You know, the when we were growing up, man, don't want to sound like you're old and sound a little bit like a parent. Tell more in, stories. In, yeah. Not in our day, but um, I think just with social media and technology these days that um, platforms to discuss things and the, the actual face-to-face communication is really minimal. I know I've recently, for the last four years, taught 17- and 18-year-olds. Um, and probably half of those really battled to have a conversation face-to-face with someone. They're very happy to do it through social media, through text message, through email, anything like that. But when it actually comes to shaking somebody's hand and making conversation with their peers, teacher, an adult, a young kid, they really battled with it. And I think that's because they're just not in practice and they don't do it as much as what we used to or even our parents back in the day. And for me personally, I love social media and it's great and it's here to stay. So we need to basically come up with ideas so that young students and kids today are not getting left behind. So in five, ten years' time, people just can't have a conversation face-to-face. Yeah, spot on. It's sort of about whacking social media. Like I said, it's here to stay and it's a big part of, of people's lives, especially young people's lives. But I think... This generation, in terms of parents and, and, and teenagers, may be, in terms of the social media, will be the biggest gap that there ever be. You know, you think of uh, parents now, teenagers are probably, you know, what are they, probably into their 40s, potentially their 50s. They didn't know what it was like growing up with social media. It didn't exist. Yep. Uh, so it's, it's as much as parents uh, do their best and they have the conversations around what's right and what's wrong when it comes to social media, there probably isn't the same level of empathy uh, as say, the next generation. So our children, when they're teenagers, you know, we grew up with it to an extent. I think what had come in when we were the back end of our uni years. So I think the generation gap between parents and teenagers right now is as wide as it's ever going to be. So I think it will level out. Yeah. You know, I just think that, you know, uh, parents have the awareness that social media for young people is just as important as putting on their shoes. Correct. It's, yep. it's such a big part of their life. But like anything... It's a vehicle that's got to be used in a positive way. Yeah, but and I, where I see it is a lot of parents probably can't relate to mm. the issues that their kids are going through because they've never have, they didn't have any of these issues when they were growing up either, and they can't actually relate to why they on social media. If it's causing all these issues, mm. get off it. But it's not that simple. No. And as you said, I think uh, when we have kids and things like that, it'll be different because we have grown up using Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, you know, Snapchat. We have all those platforms, so we've got a little bit of a better understanding of what our kids are going through, whereas my old man, Kev, he wouldn't know the left-right button on anything. He's never used a computer. He's got no idea, all right? So I think that's the little gap here, and it's a crossover, and it's always the same with new technology coming out or anything like that. Um, it takes a while for people to understand that. Yeah, yeah spot on. And we're not whacking parents. I mean, you know, the two of us aren't parents. I mean, I'm going to be one in about two months, and I'll... I'm sure everyone can whack you there. Exactly. It'll it'll (laughs) whack me then. So I'm in as much sleep as I can. So we're not here to whacking parents. It's more around getting an understanding on on how social media is a big part of uh, resilience or their their lack of. So, you know, I think there's a a few things that we need to tap into. And I I always come back to these three pillars of life. Health, no particular order, mind you. Health, relationships and finances. Now, for young people, the finances isn't overly important, but if we look at those two things in terms of health and, and relationships, those things take time to build. You don't get to a certain point and go, yeah, I've made it, okay, and then relax. I mean, you look at your health, it's something you've got to work out every single day, and you can't, 
you have to overcome some setbacks. There's going to be times when you're injured. There's going to be times when you want to delve into delve into some uh, tempting food. There's going to be times you want to stay in bed. So it's something you've got to work out all the time. And relationships are no different to that. And you have some. Well, you mentioned communication before, mate. And, you know, to have a really deep-seated relationship is not just having a follow or a friend on, on Facebook or yeah. Twitter. It's, yep. it's about, you know, compromise and sacrifice and, and, you know, actually talking about things other than the weather and how, how fast the grass is growing. So they take time. Yet we're in, we're in the instant gratification age off the back of, you know, off the back of social media and Netflix and these things. So, you know, I think young people, are, again, we're not... I'm stereotyping here a little bit. It's not about criticising. It's about you know building strategies towards improvement. But I think young people can understand that the pillars that drive life take constant management and constant time, and it can't be taken care of through an instant vehicle. Yeah, you know, people try. People try and uh, you know instantly improve their health through pharmaceuticals and, and, and drugs, fat diets, and fat so, diets, yeah. and these things. And same with relationships. That's why social media have tapped into it. They think that. You've got someone on, as a friend on Facebook, that's enough. Or, you know, we delve into the finance side of things, you know, gambling going through the roof, you know, um, the lottery going through the roof. So people are trying to tap into these Quick fixes. Pillars. Yeah, exactly. So I think, you know, coming back to resilience, I think that's a really important point. I think it's a starting point for the conversation around resilience. That the, the key pillars of life take time. And they take persistence every single day and every single week. Yep. And I, and I suppose with young kids, it's actually drumming that into them that, you know, they are going to have setbacks, but this is you, the only way you learn is by making mistakes or failing. So by actually telling them this and just keep going, keep going, you'll get it better next time if you're stuffed up. You know, you might have lost your money. You might have lost a friend. Um, you've just got to keep working at it. Like you said, it doesn't happen overnight. But I suppose that's the hardest thing to get across these days because... So many things are accessible straight away. You can get whatever you want. You can get Uber Eats delivered to your door. You don't even need to leave your house. You can go on, you can download a movie, you can stream it. You don't need to go to the cinemas, all right? You can do just about anything you want now on your phone and a click of the fingers. And that's what the kids have grown up with, whereas that's not how real life works. No. All right? And I suppose, so being resilient is about learning how to deal with your, your failures, your losses, things that haven't worked. So next time you improve on that. Right? And I suppose that's what we want to discuss today, you know, yeah. and, and talk about how you, as a teacher, parent, whoever you are, can be a real good role model to make sure that we're pointing youth in the right direction. It's spot on. I think it's about allowing young people to fail. Obviously, there's an extent. You don't want to go, you don't want to cross the line into danger, but allowing kids to fall over, allowing young people to fail, you know, allowing young people to go through that period of uh, discomfort because yeah, discomfort is where you grow Yep. Yeah, there's a really good there's a really good uh, clip on YouTube called "Growing Through Adversity." Check it out. It only goes around fifty seconds, and this professor talks about the analogy of a lobster. Yeah, lobsters the the mushy shell grows. Sorry, the mushy part of the body grows, but the shell doesn't. So what the what the lobster decides to do is it feels uncomfortable, feels suppressed, so it has to shed its scale, uh, shell, go high underneath a rock before it grows a new and bigger shell, and then the the body of the lobster grows further. And so it feels uncomfortable, so it needs to shed that particular shell, its comfort zone, yep. go hide underneath a rock before it to grow a new one. So what it talks about is the only way the lobster can grow is through a period of discomfort. And I think that's applicable for so many young people that you're going to fail, you're going to have setbacks, you're going to have adversity. But resilience, and the answer I get in my sessions, what it's resilience, oh, it's bouncing back. I think it's bouncing forward. I think it's going through a period of discomfort and coming out stronger, fitter, healthier, 
but at the other end, yeah. not just getting back to where you started before it happened. And I suppose that lobster is basically like growing up. You know, you've got primary school, you finish primary school, you go to high school. You know, at the end of high school, you've got a big decision. Do you get a job? Do you mm. go into the workforce? Do you do further study and go to university? You know, do you do an apprenticeship? Then you've got that next stage, going to university, apprenticeship, a job. You may not like that job. You've got to go get another one. You know, so I think that's a really good point that you are always going to be challenged. And if you're not up to that challenge, then, you know, you're going to be, you're going to be stuck. You're not going to be happy because the way we bounce back is by going through new challenges and putting ourselves out there. And I suppose what we want to really go into is ways to make those new challenges easier, more successful. And so we're not, not everyone's going to be winners in life. And I know everyone wants to, but trying to minimize the, not the losers, but the most failures we can do, I suppose, if that makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. Mate, and you know this better than anyone. You're a, you're a PT. It's a big part of what you do outside of, obviously, some great work, what you're doing here with kids and parents and, and teachers. Mate, if, if you didn't put your clients outside their comfort zone, they wouldn't, they wouldn't improve their health. They wouldn't improve their fitness. And, then, again, another analogy is if, if, if you go to the gym and, and lift a one gram uh, kettlebell and trying to do bicep curls and, and wondering if they're going to grow, they're not. Correct. Because it's it's too easy for the body and the body just goes, no, nah, I'm not doing anything. But if you actually go and lift a heavier weight, what happens? Your muscles get stronger, okay, because you're putting it under a period of discomfort. Okay, then, then what happens is when you go and lift that weight after a period of time, it's easier to lift. Yeah. So again, another analogy is if when you are going through a period of discomfort, unease, adversity, anxiety, stress, call it what you like, it's about going, okay, this is not going to last forever, but what can I learn in this process? So when I'm in this, when I'm in this experience again, I'm going to be stronger for it. And then your comfort zone grows again. Yeah, and I couldn't agree more. And I think recently I've been talking to a lot of people, Ryan, about, you know, giving up sugar and things like that. Because a lot of, not only the students used to teach, but a lot of friends and things, like they either love soft drink or they love things like this. Yep. And to give something up like that, I nearly call sugar a drug because it is so hard for people to give up on. Um, but as you said, it is a short-term bit of pain, you know. It's hard to give that up because you're thinking about you want it all the time. But the side effects are, if you get rid of that soft drink, that sugar or whatever, and cut it out of your diet, you don't really even need to go to the gym if you want to lose weight, mm. you know. Cutting that out is straight away. So, you know, you'll get that long-term gain, but it's, it's hard at the start. And I don't think people would want it if it wasn't hard, right? If, if it was easy, everyone would be lifting big weights. You know, you'd have a six-pack, you'd be looking amazing, all right? Unfortunately, it's not like that. Yeah, it's amazing, isn't it? A lot of people are in love with the, the outcome but not really in love with the process. And, and you don't get the outcome, regardless of it's, whether it's uh, you know, business, whether it's health, whether it's other things, you don't get the outcome without being able to deal with the process along the way. And I think that's a really important point, mate, that you know, success, whatever that looks like for people, whether it's a student, VCE, whether it's a, a, a person in business, whether it's someone looking to lose weight, that process is not linear. There's some ups, there's some downs, there's some sacrifices, there's some pitfalls, there's some, some rejection. There's all those things uh, that actually go along the way to get to that outcome. And, you know, a couple of great mentors of mine, you know, they always talk about it's, it's, it's all about the journey. It's not about the destination. The person you become in the journey is much more important than actually finding the destination. Yeah, good point, mate. Good point. I suppose moving on, I suppose, a little bit. What are, with, I know there's so many things out there, but what are some top ways, I suppose, that you can you know, build resilience or um, some, some points that you would um, start with? You know, If you're having issues with your job or um, school's hard for you or your friendship group and things like that and you're just not coping, 
what are some things that you know our listeners out there can go and do um, so that they're not going to be facing with this next time? They're going to be able to go bank right. I'm resilient. I can bounce back from this and on to the next thing instead of it being a big hurdle that they're struggling to get over. Well, I think the first point is you have to be prepared for it to happen. I yep. think if you go, if you, if you think you're going to put a couple of things in place and, you, and you're not going to have fear and you're not going to feel apprehensive about doing something, well, then you're already failed because fear is always going to be there. You've just got to be better. Yep. You've just got to be more prepared. I'm a big fan of acronyms, as you know, mate. Yeah, yeah, when it yeah. comes to resilience, I always talk about being able to overcome and deal with crap. Okay. Yeah, yeah. good. Well, that's pretty. It's a pretty good word for it, I'd say, mate. So, uh, you know, in the sessions that I do, the people that I talk with, everybody has to deal with crap, whether you're young, old, in between. Now, the C stands for criticism. You have to be able to deal with criticism, but there's so much information out there at the minute, isn't there? You know, whether so it's, much, mate. We spoke about it before on the internet, but there's also people taking pot shots at us or, or at you, whether it's on social media or face-to-face. Now, how do you separate the criticism from the feedback? Because feedback's vital for us to grow. It's, it's huge. But I don't think young people ask enough questions, and I'll get to that in a second. And, and just to cut you off, I don't think people know how to take criticism and use it the right way. They think everyone's having a go at them, and I think that's the younger generation. For sure. And I think that's where the self-honesty, and there's some stuff you can do around the self-honesty, which you won't go into uh, too much today, but how do you separate the criticism from the feedback? And it comes back to the source. Who's giving it? Do you respect that person? Can you learn from that person? And are you a better individual in that person's company? If it's tick, 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 it's not only criticism, it's feedback. It's time to listen up. It's good. I like that. So, but I think criticism is part of life. As soon as you try and stretch yourself, as soon as you try and better yourself, criticism will come your way. A lot of it will be, be from people who feel uncomfortable in their own skin, so they want to try and bring you down. Don't worry about that. Sometimes criticism comes from the people we, we least expect, yep. family, friends, whatever. So just be prepared for that and understand that the feedback is crucial. The, the criticism should go, out, uh, should go out the door, in one ear, out the other. So having those people in, in your life that you can, you can turn to, you know, your mentors, the people you respect are crucial because they can give you the feedback. In terms of the criticism, try and let that go. Yeah. Now, the R, what do you think the R stands for, mate? Things you got to overcome. Um, reputation. Rejection. Rejection. I had no idea. <laughs> Everybody has to deal with rejection, don't they? They do, yeah, mate. Yeah. You're, you're in business, I'm in business, mate. You know, the amount of rejections you know, we get at our level is huge. But yep. young people all the time, whether it's a rejected from, a, from an idea, rejected from a sporting team, from a from a, a class captain voting uh, system, whatever it might be, everyone's got to deal with rejection. Yep. Now, re- you can lace rejection up in many ways, but effectively it's a two-letter word, which is no. Yep. Yep. So how you deal with no is, is it has a big part of whether you're going to succeed or fail. Uh, be angry, be disappointed, be frustrated, but be, bounce forward. So realise that if you're still those things six months later and you're, you know, you're resenting that rejection, well, it's, it's time to put some you know, uh, some strategies in place. But use it as fuel to get better. And if yep. you're continually getting rejected, you go back to those people that you seek feedback from and go, hey, this is happening to me. Why? I'm not sure why. Yep. I've tried this, I've tried that. You know, the old Albert Einstein quote, you know, the first sign of insanity is doing the same thing over and over and over again, expecting a different result. So again, rejection's going to come your way. Yep. That's how you deal with it. Be angry, be disappointed, like I said, for a couple of, for a day or two, but then it's time to move on, yep. get on with it. Because it's not going to change. It's, not it's still change. a no. 
by pondering on it and going over in your head, it's not going to change it to a yes. For sure. You know, and there's so many good analogies out there or examples of, like, heroes. You know, and mm. I, I love Michael Jordan. Yep. And who would have thought that he was the first cut from his high school basketball team? Now he goes down as probably the greatest ever basketballer to play. So, you know, and there's so many more of those out there on the internet, that which I'm sure you're well aware of too. But um, he bounced back. He's like, right, no. And imagine what his basketball coach now thinks. You know, he probably thinks, wow, I made a mistake. Or by me knocking Michael back made him a better player. Oh, you know? That's that's a really good point. You know, that, that latter point is, you know, that drive that he had after not making the, the basketball team probably gave him that, that extra, I suppose, hunger to get better. And I reckon obviously it did, the, yeah. the rest of the rest of history. And there's, like I said, there's plenty of, there's plenty of uh, info on, on the internet. Go to YouTube and, and, and look up famous failures. Uh, it goes through Michael Jordan, Steve Jobs, Oprah Winfrey, uh, Thomas Edison, The Beatles, Elvis, Meryl Streep, and it goes on and on. That. And it goes through in a scenario or a point in their life where they had to get overcome, whether it's failure or, or in a lot of the cases, rejection, rejection yep. from someone else telling them. I've no seen good. that. Yeah, very interesting. What are the A, mate? I'm not even going to have a guess at this, mate, because I was... A stands for apathy. Yeah, apathy... A lot of people would have heard. Some people may have not, may not have. Apathy is the opposite of feeling motivated. Too hot, too cold, too much work, too hard, can't be bothered. Now, of all the podcasts that, that you do and all the podcasts that, that I do and all the people that I meet, nobody is naturally motivated. There's a perception out there, geez, I wish I was as motivated as her, geez, I wish I was as motivated as mm. him. Nobody's naturally motivated. They feel apathy. They feel like they can't be bothered as much as you and I. Yeah, the last time I felt apathy was this morning. Alarm goes off at, I think, was it 5.30? Yeah, I didn't want to get out of bed. It was cold. Yeah. But you just got to get into it. The hardest part about doing something is starting. Just doing it. So if you buy into that apathy, you're gone. Yeah, you start telling yourself a story about, you know, why you're too tired, I'll do it tomorrow, or yeah. oh, I'm only young, or whatever it might be. Uh, and, yeah, you know yourself, and I've done this, and I've been guilty of it. I'll just sit down for two minutes when I get home. What happens when you sit there for two minutes? If you start watching a TV so, show or you're on your phone or, you know, it just creeps into the rest of your night and you don't actually get anything done. Correct, correct. So I'm not saying, you know, don't, don't enjoy those things, but do those things after the body work has been done. So I think that, I think the A, the apathy uh, of, of the CRAP acronym is, has a big say in, in how the other three are dictated. So you're going to feel tired, you're going to feel like you can't be bothered, but just do it anyway because that's what... The people that seem to get things done do they? They feel like they can't be bothered just as much as you and I, but they don't buy into it and they just get going. Yep. And a really good, a really good starting point. Turn your snooze button off. Don't press snooze. It's where procrastination starts. Or put your phone or your alarm on the other side of the room. So you have to get out of bed. Correct. Once you get out, you're up. Yeah. All right. So I'm big believer in no snoozing. All right. Your, your time's done. If you didn't get enough sleep in your time, when you're in bed, you've either gone to bed too late. Well, you haven't slept well enough, so you need to figure out a way to use that time better. Like in your day. Right? If you're not getting enough done, look at what you're doing. You may be wasting your time. You may be putting time into things that aren't as relevant as what you really need to be doing. It's the same with sleep. And that's an excuse. Oh, I was tired. All right, well, why were you tired? All right, don't use an excuse to sleep, snooze, miss something. All right, because once you start doing it, that'll flow into all aspects of your life. And you'll start making excuses, and you won't even know you're doing it. Spot on, mate. And we're habitual creatures, aren't we? You know, if we, if we, we can have very positive habits, we can have very negative habits. And I think, 
yeah, if, if we're not careful, we can creep into the, the negative side of things pretty quickly, especially this time of year when it's starting to get you know, quite dark and quite cold as well. So apathy, everybody, everybody suffers from it, but uh, don't buy into it and just get up and get into it because the hardest part about doing something is starting. Once you get it started, you'll be amazed how much you can get done. And the P... Final one. Is excited. Pressure. So pressure generally comes from three or four areas. For adults... It comes from internal expectations, external expectations, time, and, and money. Young people, uh, give and take that money, they may have some financial issues whether they're, if they're, they're struggling to balance you know, uh, their social side of things. But that's where pressure comes from. Now, I'm not one of those people that say, do A, B, and C, and pressure is going to be eliminated from your life. That's utopian thinking, and I don't think that's, uh, that's a real conversation to have. But what you can do to reduce it is preparation. You know, prepare and be organised. You know, when, and like you, you said before, you know, putting little strategies in place, whether it's, uh, whether it's you know, putting your shoes next to your next to your bed, putting your you know, your exercise clothes, have it laid out, have it laid out. You know, yep. you know, packing your bag the night before, making your lunches on a Sunday afternoon, or whatever Crucial. it might be. Just yep. these little one percenters that that add add right up uh, to making it um, yeah, making it really crucial, because pressure is the one thing that I think people suffer from then that can turn into other areas well, that as well. affects everything else and that's when you see all these other issues happen correct so yeah. if you can prepare well and get things organized in your life i think that will go a long way so of all the things i talk about mate crap seems to stick the most yeah well i've never heard it buddy but i like it uh so it's it's not a matter of if but a matter of when yep and you know i think it's a really powerful reminder for young people when they're in a room with say 100 or 120 of their classmates and said who suffer from criticism? Hand go, everyone's hand goes up. Who suffer from rejection? Everyone's hand, apathy, hands go, pressure goes up. So they realise that that's a part of life. It's not them just being uh, the victim of life, saying, why has this happened to me? Yeah, I'm not yeah. saying this to scare people. It's about prepare people for what's out there. Because life's tough at times, we know that. But it's about putting some strategies and some tools in place to be tougher. Yep, and I, I think that's great, mate. And and not only for students in the classroom, but adults as well. And I know you deal with adults, children, everyone. That applies to everybody. Doesn't matter what walk of life you are, what race, you know, what socioeconomic group you are. That acronym applies to everybody. So I think you can apply that to anybody you're talking to, you're teaching, you're coaching, you're working with anything like that. Absolutely, mate. And I said it's. Uh... It's something that sticks, so hopefully uh, for listeners today, it'll stick with them. Crap. Crap. Criticism, (laughs) rejection, apathy, and pressure. Yeah, good, mate. And I've made a couple of notes that uh, basically little little things that I've used along the way to, you know, coping with challenges and and things to keep me balanced along the way is um, taking time to relax. Uh, I think that is crucial. Right, and I know you're looking at me a bit willy here. I'm, for those listeners out there, I've, I've worked probably 15, 16-hour days for the last two years and only in the last six, seven weeks is, um, I've resigned from my teaching job and now I actually have time to myself. And at the start, I did feel... Uh, I felt, felt like I was a bit guilty, actually, mm. that I wasn't working all the time. Mm. Um, but now I'm actually living proof that taking that little bit of time to relax... Um, I'm so much more productive, happy, and everything like that. So just on that, relax is a great word, but let's let's dig a bit deeper and ask, well, what do you do to relax? So that's a really good one. That's my next point. So I've tried to meditate. I'm pretty 
energetic and up and about and things like that. And it just hasn't worked for me as much. So I either go for a walk or go to the gym. So I find my relaxing time is through exercise. You know, and, and I think everybody needs to find that one thing. It might it might be you going for a walk. It might be you going for a swim. It might be trying to meditate, all right? might be doing some yoga, anything like that. But you need to do something that's for you. Um, and I think the best thing is either for your mind or your body, all right? And that's obviously what meditation, yoga, and exercise do. Spot on, mate. I think the, an important point with this is... Uh, you know, the concept that I use is the gap must be filled. And what I mean by that is if you go, okay, tonight I'm not going to spend as much time on social media. So instead of spending two hours, I'm going to spend half an hour. Yep. So you put your computer or you put your phone down after that half an hour. And if you've got nothing to go to, you start twiddling your thumbs. Yeah. And you go straight back to your computer. 100%. And, and your phone. So yep. have some strategies in place because if you just think you're going to relax by doing nothing, uh, I think you'll get called out early, yeah. especially early. Set yourself up for success early. Other things can flow in later on. Yeah, and I think I think what you just said there, like back in back when we were growing up as kids, so when we were teenagers, we didn't have that temptation because there wasn't such thing as a phone. Mm. You know, I might have been at Nokia thirty three ten to play Snake on, but yeah. how much can you play Snake? You know, you're catching a lot of apples, all right. But now there's so many different things. So just a little thing that I've put into place lately is that I'll put my phone down and I'll go and read. Not listen to an audio book. I love audio books. I think they're great. But I'll go and read for 25 to 30 minutes. Right? And that's one thing I've just started because I'd find myself on my phone. I'd go to bed. I'd be on my phone and I'd struggle to sleep. Mm. And the reason mm. being, I'm basically looking at a torch mm. for an hour straight without blinking and then thinking my mind can shut off. For sure. So I don't know if other people want to read or if you go and play a game of cards, you do a Sudoku or a crossword or something that's not technology-based. Mm. I think that's a huge thing because everything around us is technology. Mm. You know, So shut off from that. Otherwise, your mind can't shut down and you won't get that sleep. You know, you will hit snooze. You won't go to PT in the morning. You won't get up and go for that walk. Right? And it'll flow on for the rest of your day. And I think too, mate, these things are not easy. The first day... First two days, three days, even the first week you do it, you you want to have that temptation. There'll be that addiction to go back to it because, like I said before, we're habitual creatures. But just hang tough through it. Like we said, you know, resilience is hanging tough through a period and coming out the other side uh, bigger, stronger, better. Yep, yep. And I suppose that comes down to ways to build resilience, like knowing your strengths, what they are, and basically really honing on those because that's what you do best. Mm. Uh, Building your self-esteem. And as I said, everybody will do this differently, you know. Um, For us, we used to do that, well, you still do, but through sport. You know, that, that our strength was playing sport in a team and that's where we were really good at building our self-esteem because you'd want to do well because then you'd get praise. All right? If you aren't in a sports team or anything like that, I think try and find some sort of group. I think being in some group, being part of something is really important. All right? If you don't have that in your life now, again, find that strength you've got right and go and join that group because it's all about building healthy relationships mm. with common goals. So if everybody in there has got a common something that they all believe in or they like or they want to follow or they want to do, then straight away you've got that connection and together you can work together to help each other do that. Yeah, it's spot on, mate. You, you mentioned the word praise and, you know, I'm, you know, I'm a big believer being part of a group or an organisation or a sporting team to, to get that praise is important, but I think confidence and self-esteem should start before that because that's very external, isn't it? Yes, 100%. That's something you can't control. So don't, don't wrap your confidence or self-esteem 
directly with what other people say to you, I think link it to, to the effort that you give. Yeah. You can you can give a hundred percent effort and not get the result and still walk away quite confident about your your ability to perform. Now whether that's at work, at school, in a sporting team, whatever it might be, I think you come back to the effort that you give, not so much the, the praise or, or the reward because they can be very external. Yeah, yeah. And I, I think, that again, that just comes back to the extra work that you put in yourself. Yeah. Because the more you're looking after yourself, doing things for you, the better you feel about yourself. Whereas if you're neglecting yourself, putting yourself second, you know, not doing those things that make you feel good, then that self-esteem isn't going to be there. And you probably won't get the praise if that's what you're chasing either. Mm. Because how are people going to praise you when you're not actually looking after yourself? Well, I suppose the question to ask is if you're chasing praise, why? Yeah, well, that's... What, what gaps are trying to fill? So exactly right. Go back and look again. Look what's missing in your life because obviously you're not doing something enough to love yourself. Mm. You know, you're not getting that reassurance or that praise from yourself, which is more important than anybody will say to you. On social media, a coach wrapping you up, a supporter, you know, someone in your book club saying, well done, that was a really good review. All right? If you're not getting that praise within yourself, you're going to struggle. Absolutely. Absolutely. And... Uh... Yeah, I think that's a really important point. You know, you've got to be gentle with yourself at times, but other times you've got to be honest with yourself and, and look for gaps. I mean, problems are a huge issue in, in society at the present. Everyone's got problems, but all the problem is is the gap between where you are and where you want to be. Work out how, how big that gap is, where it sits in your life, and put a strategy to close that gap. Yeah, and, and I think that's great, mate. And as, as we've seen a little bit in, in lately for a lot of sports people coming out, you know, that they're battling, they're struggling with a little bit of mental health and things like that, one of my biggest things is know when to ask for help. Know when, you know, things are getting too much. It's not – it's a really, really strong thing for you to do these days. And I know back in the day, you know, probably four or five years ago that it was looked as weakness – Whereas it's not, it's actually a massive strength for you to say, look, I'm not coping here, things aren't right, and getting some help, mm. you know? By bottling that up, that's when things just go downhill really fast. And probably a really good thing with Alex Fasolo, the Collingwood footballer, for our listeners overseas and everything, that's um, AFL football. But he's recently come out and just said, look, I'm not coping well, and he's just turned 25, so this doesn't matter how old you are, how young you are, he should be in the prime of his life, and he probably is, but things he aren't, he's not coping with them that well. And for him to come out and say that, that's that's massive, all right? And the more people will start to see do this, all right, it'll just show people that, you know, there are people out there to help us and that you shouldn't battle through these things alone. No, spot on. And, yeah, there's been some, some follow-on commentary from some other high-profile players saying they felt like a burden if they had have asked for help. But yeah. we won't delve into that too much. But talking about asking questions, I mean... Don't just ask questions when you're struggling. Ask questions when things are going well too. I mean, be proactive in your, in your thinking. Be proactive in, in your behaviour and, and, and ask questions to, to those people that we spoke about before that you respect. And don't think that you only ask when things are, are struggling. If you be proactive and ask questions along the way, you may not get to that, that cliff where you fall off. Yeah, yeah. And that's exactly right. If, if you're on the front foot all the time, you know, Attacking those balls like cricketer. If you're getting forward to that ball all the time, more often than not, you're going to hit it. Whereas if you're getting back, waiting for that ball to come to you, you know, that's when trouble's going to happen. There's more variation. Things could happen. Yeah. Right? And it's in life as well. Get on the front foot. Be proactive, like you said. What's, what's, the, uh, what's the story about sharpening the axe? You know, a, a person was chopping down a tree with a blunt axe in the forest and a, a person walked past and said, hey, why don't you go sharpen your axe? He goes, I don't have time. Uh, yeah, good. A lot of people live their life that way. You know, they, they try and you know, beat down a tree with a blunt axe 
and don't realise if they just take a, a sidestep and, and change a few habits and a few uh, behaviours in their life that they can go back and cut that tree down you know, a lot quicker. But I oh, don't have time. I've got to have time. So be really careful uh, about you know beating yourself to the brim and getting that rat race. Take time for yourself because this is the only thing we've got, you know, the thing we live in, call it our body. Yeah, exactly right. And, and another big thing as well, and I think this is really important, that you celebrate any, any good achievements, anything you do well, any, any accomplishments, make sure you celebrate and praise yourself. Don't be too hard on yourself, you know, because I think people, they don't give themselves praise for doing things well. Right, and you wait for other people to do it. As I said, this is all about you. Resilience comes from inside. Right? Normally, if you're not happy or you're not confident with yourself, it leaves the door open for criticism or from feedback from other people mm. to be taken the wrong way. Yep. So if you're listening to this or if you're a teacher, parent, a business person, anything like that, and you can see somebody struggling, right? I think the biggest thing is helping those people out and, and talking about what areas of their life that you can help them with to build that strength, build that self-esteem within them, not not out, outside sources, not getting likes on Facebook, not getting retweets on Twitter. That means nothing, right, unless people are happy with inside themselves. Yeah, absolutely. And the greatest way to get something back in your life is just to give it to other people. You know, if, you want to be, if you want to be interesting, be interested. If you want to, be, uh, you want to have someone to support you, well, support someone else. I think sometimes we... we come from a place of lack and so I don't have this in my life, I don't have that in my life. But if we can actually give it to other people, it's amazing how much is actually reciprocated back back to us. Yeah, and there's there's a book recently that I've read called The Go-Giver. I don't know if you've ever read this, Ryan. It's a little book. Um, it's not very long at all, but it's basically a story about giving, right? And that if you're constantly giving and, and you don't look for things in return, right? It's not about 50-50. So I've bought you a coffee today, you buy me one tomorrow. That There's no such thing as that. You know, I'll buy you one because I want to. Don't ever expect anything back in return. And by doing that, giving, 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 then the receiving becomes more because you're open to giving. You're, you don't care about receiving. But what happens is it comes back twofold, all right? And it's a really good book. Um, I like learning through stories. And that's why a lot of, you know, acronyms you got here today, Ryan, are fantastic. And that's how I learn, you know, and I suppose a lot of the time I have a blunt axe. But now, as I said, taking time to relax, look back, you can sharpen it and you can cut down more trees than just hacking away with that blunt axe. Absolutely. And that, that reminds me, Dale, that just the back over the name of that book, it's called The Go-Giver by... Oh, that's... The Go-Giver, look it up. Yeah. Now, the reason I'm... It's coming to my attention because a couple of things... You, I owe you a couple of beers because you actually bought them for me uh, on Easter at Sorrento and you mentioned that book that I should go read it and I haven't, mate. So there you go. I need to, I need to actually there reciprocate that uh, <laughs> uh, giving and, and, and give you something back. So. And you gave me lunch today as well, so I'm, I'm a bit behind. But no. uh, The Go-Giver, I said, I haven't read it. If it's recommended by Dale Sidebottom, it's a, it's a, a big tick on, on, um, on my behalf. Yeah, if you, are, if you are going to read a book, I, I thoroughly enjoyed it. I listen to it over and over when I'm driving around in the car. And it just, I, I'm sure 99% of the things in the book people already do. But it's just reassuring you that, yeah, you're doing the right thing or um, just keep doing that. And I think a lot of the time people get forget that oh, that's not fair. All right? I did this last time. That's, I, like, they owe me this. There's no such thing as that. And if you live your life waiting for somebody to pay you back or, you know, that to even the score, you're going to be an unhappy person. Oh, absolutely. You can't, you know, the only two things you can control are your actions, what you do, and your attitude, how you think. Everything outside those two things you cannot control. So if you can create good actions in your life and you create a great attitude in your life, I'll tell you what, you're going to be a lot happier and be a lot more resilient than uh, other people who don't. 
Yeah, I, I think that's really great, mate. And I'm, I think that's uh, pretty much summed it up, unless you've got anything else. Probably just one more thing when it comes to resilience. And the, the reason I bring this up, because my perception's changed a little bit, probably over the last six months. I think resilience is about, yeah, pushing through and getting up and going again. We've discussed that. That's a part of it. But I think it's also an internal uh, pattern to prepare yourself for not that things are not always going to go your way. So uh, I talk about this all the time, and I had to live it myself the other day. So I had a, uh, a big meeting teed up. This, this meeting was, would probably have been going back and forth via email and phone for probably six months. Okay. And I, the meeting was probably an hour and a half away uh, by car from, from where I'm located. And I, I was driving, and I got probably two-thirds of the way. I'd, I'd, you know, I tweaked my morning, so I got up early. I went to the gym. And I got a phone call when I about an hour and a bit into my trip from this particular person I was meeting. You know, a big meeting that I've been looking forward to. Hi Ryan, the audits have come in today. We're gonna to have to postpone our trip. Uh, sorry, postpone our uh, our meeting. And I and initially I was shocked. I'm thinking, oh no, you don't understand. And I thought, no, this is the stuff I talk about. I've got to actually live it here myself. So yeah, yeah. actually being prepared to be adaptable and flexible when things don't go your way. So when you do get you know, that curveball come your way. When you do get that person that cuts you off uh, on the way to work or that person that gives you a bit of a heckle on the way to school, be prepared to be flexible, to change your attitude no matter what comes your way because we have this idealistic view of how we want our day to look and if it doesn't exactly go that way because of other people or circumstance, we get really uptight and really anxious about it. But do the internal work and go yourself, right, I'm strong enough to deal and be flexible um, to change no matter what comes my way throughout the day and that's that's why I think perception of resilience has changed a little bit goals should well and surely be fixed absolutely but the process uh, and your resilience around them need to be flexible and adaptable absolutely and I suppose this uh, if you look at it like that that because you didn't have that meeting mate we were able to have a good phone call good discussion you know now we're doing this podcast so you may still have that meeting in the future but you never know what will happen when one door closes, no one opens. Well, that's a thing, exactly. But if, if anybody spends all their energy uh, on the things that didn't work out, you're not going to have any energy left to, to actually concentrate on the things that may work out in the future. So, you know, you, it's the old saying, you can't control the past. We know that. You know, the future is dictated by what we do now, and that's the only thing we're in control of around those actions and those attitudes. Perfect. Well, Mate, have you got anything to finish? No, you, not... You've always uh, got a bit to say. No, I just, I've got a little quote that increased resilience leads to improved learning outcomes. So the more resilience you have just means the better learning outcomes you'll be able to get, the more productive you'll be, the happier you'll be. And I think life's all about being happy and having a good balance. Um, hopefully, we've just sort of, through our discussion today, we've, we've mentioned a lot of different things and we've jumped and jumped from different things. But um, I think the, the big method, message is there that if you're happy within yourself and you've got a good balanced lifestyle, um, then, you know, your resilience level should be quite high. And I suppose that's all I want. And speaking from somebody who probably hasn't had a very balanced life for a few years, for, to stepping back now and just the last six, seven weeks of my life, um, by actually taking time for myself and um, feeling better about myself, my life is so much more complete than what it was. So from somebody living that life to now taking on these couple of steps that I've been telling other people to do for years, I've actually done it myself and it, it really does work. 
That's great, mate, because there was a period there where I was a little worried about it. <laughs> <laughs> I was slightly concerned you weren't going to make it to your uh, 35th birthday. <laughs> so, no, great to see you, great to see you. And uh, thanks, for, thanks for inviting me on on the podcast today. And hopefully, you know, my listen, listeners of the Mindset Project can take a lot from you, mate. So, yeah. part one, I reckon, we might do this again at some yeah. stage. Sounds good, mate. Thanks, Wadey. Thanks, Dave. Cheers.